Well, it's always a joy in order to uh, have new families with us that have a desire to dedicate their children. And uh, we have a family this morning, uh, Tim and Lisa Lau, who have brought their children, Caitlin and Evan. And it's just a great joy to be able to uh, be here to witness and observe uh, this dedication. Uh, we in our church, we dedicate children. Uh, we don't baptize children. We believe that comes at a later date when uh, a child is able to receive Christ into their life and then they become uh, baptized. But uh, we dedicate children. And this is as much about the children or as much about the parents as it is about the children uh, because it's parents that are dedicating their children to God. And it's a lot about you because you are here this morning and you are going to witness this. And I'm going to ask you as well for a commitment because we as a church family, we need to stand behind our young families and we need to pray for them and support them and encourage them. And that's your role in all that is taking place this morning. So uh, with all that being said, I'm going to ask if Tim and Lisa, if you might bring your children uh, to the front of the church. If you just would stand here at the front, and I'll stand off to the side, uh, because I know they want to see you, and they don't really want to see me. And so um, this is Tim and Lisa, and uh, we're just thankful that they have um, chosen to do this. As I said, um, this is a dedication uh, service. They're committing themselves to training these children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, this is Caitlin in pretty pink, and Evan in a striped shirt. So, let's see how this goes. They're doing so awfully well. But you know, when we talk about these things prior to this day, um, you know, I said, I said, it doesn't matter what the kids do on this morning. It always is right and fun. So, uh, with that being said, let me uh, turn to you as parents, Tim and Lisa. And I want to ask you a few questions, five questions, actually. And after I finish these five questions, uh, please say, we will. Or we do. We do. There we go. Go for it, Evan. Yeah, you go for it. All right. As parents, do you testify that you have personally received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? And do you testify that Jesus will be at the center of your home? and that the Bible will be honored as the Word of God? And do you testify that by committing your children to the Lord, that your desire is that someday uh, they will receive Christ as their own personal Savior? And do you testify that you will invest your time, your energy, your devotion, and your prayer for these children to help them cultivate their own relationship with Christ and then finally, do you testify? No, this is a lot, but do you testify? And really, it's something that all parents should be committed to do, whether they're here or there. Uh, do you testify that you need God's help to be godly parents for your children? If so, say, we do. Now, this is your part. Uh, you have observed this uh, service. And so I ask you as um, eyewitnesses uh, to this fact. Do you, as members of the body of Christ, do you solemnly promise to help this couple in raising their children, to encourage them in their responsibilities, to provide an atmosphere of love and concern for them and their children, and to pray diligently for their well-being? If so, say, we do. Thank you. Father, we come before you this morning with grateful hearts. We thank you this morning for Tim and for Lisa and for their commitment to you in front of all of these people. Father, I pray that you might give them great wisdom, that you might help them in their great and awesome responsibility to raise Evan and Caitlin in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Father, help us as a church, help us to keep them in prayer, to encourage them, in every way, to support them, to stand behind them. And Father, for Caitlin and Evan, we ask that this young lady and this little boy 
Lord, might early in their lives come to an understanding of Jesus as their own Savior. And may they walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you all. Heaven. Good job, little buddy. Oh, yeah, good job. I know you're not going to remember any of this. <laughs> but we will. We will. And Caitlin, good to see you in her pretty pink dress with all the sparkles. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah she's, she's nice and quiet. That's fine. At least I'll give you that. That's for you to, for you to keep. God bless you. And Dean is going to come and lead us in special music at this time. I think this might be able to go down a little. I can tell the volume on it's pretty high. Can you bring up the track in the floor, please? Maybe in the house a little too. Who is he who's the mightiest of all? Who is he? Creation trembles at his call. Who is he? The lonely sacrifice who paid a victim's price. His name is Jesus. Jesus from the Father's own right hand. Jesus, Son of God and Son of Man. again, Jesus, he's the lion and the lamb. Who is he with the power none can tame? Who is he that every foe would fear his name? humbly led away to suffer that dark day his name is Jesus Jesus from the Father's own right hand Jesus Son of God and Son of Man Jesus who
Son of Man, Jesus, who died and rose again, Jesus, he's the Lion and the Let's just take a few moments to stand up, step out, turn around, shake a hand. Let's greet those around us and welcome them into our service this morning. All right, if you could find your seats, please, we'll continue with our, our service this morning. Um, this, this past year at Word of Life Chapel, we started to sponsor a couple of new missionaries, and, and we'd like to introduce them to you one at a time. Um, so the first one we're going to introduce today is Tito and Dilma Erbi. So their name is not Herbie, as it says, H-E-R-B-I, not like the car. In Spanish, you wouldn't say the H, so it would be Erbie. Right? Or, or if you're speaking like you're from America, it would be Irby. Irby, all right? So Tito and Dilma Irby. All right, now, you'll see Tito holding the pig, right, which they probably are getting to be able to eat, and Dilma is behind him. Um, they serve out in the village of Oromomo. 
And they're actually from that area. They're national missionaries that um, heard the gospel. And we're going to look at, there's a video about Tito here in a minute that we're going to watch his testimony. Um, But when the Word of Life Chapel team went down to Bolivia uh, two years ago, it was two years ago now, time flies, two years ago, um, we actually went out to Oromomo where we spent some of our time. And uh, Tito has become kind of like the pastor out there for that village. Um, there, there was a missionary out there before, another national missionary who is not there anymore. And so Tito has kind of filled that role in trying to step up. He still has all of his work that he's trying to do. But the Lord has, uh, man, the Lord has really used this man. I think he is 26 years old. Um, to change this whole community, this whole community. Usually what they do, and I'm just going to share one story, is they, they have a uh, kind of a yearly festival, the anniversary of La Comunidad, they would say, the community's anniversary, where everybody goes out and they turn up loud music, and most of the people will get drunk all night long, and they party and party and party, and it's done. Well, this year at the church, Tito decided they were going to have their own service. And they did it, I think they did it two years before, and they didn't have that great of a turnout. But this is just a testimony to what God is doing through him. This past year during the anniversary uh, of the community, Tito decided they were going to have a meeting at the church. And um, you know what happened was the church was full. The church was full. And, And people weren't out partying anymore. Because they knew something was going on inside that church. Something was different inside that church. Um, so let's go ahead and, and watch the video. Antes no era creyente. Mi papá no son creyente, mi madre tampoco. Entonces yo recibí al Señor Jesús el, el mes de julio del año 2005 por una necesidad. Yo tenía enfermedad, entonces eso me llevó a buscar salvación. Después que recibí a Cristo, fiel un tiempito, corto, y después pequeño contra Dios. Y busqué esposa, tu esposa, viví mal con Dios. No pasó mucho tiempo, me accidenté. Yo trabajaba, ¿no? Motosierrita, era, cortaba tablas, todo lo demás. Y cada, sal, cada que iba, iba con mi alcohol, coca, cigarro, bico y cosas así, ¿no? Me iba a trabajar, llegaba de allá, y cada llegada yo tomaba yo borracho puse el alquitrán entonces yo prendí fuego un poquito como así blandito quedaba y pan lo tapaba al hueco y siempre lo hacía lo mismo ¿no? y en ese tiempo yo estaba muy borracho y prendí no me di cuenta que ya tenía fuego entonces cuando lo prendí ¡buf! Y yo salí con fuego ¿no? de la casa. Eh, cuando evacuaron, en, fue en avioneta, ¿no? la evacuación fue en avioneta. Llamaron a Tony las autoridades y llegaron casi, casi a los últimos tiempos. Casi tarde llegaron porque ya yo estaba queriendo ir ya al cielo. ¿no? Y llegué a Cochabamba medio que me acuerdo. Una vez estuve internado ya me dijeron los médicos del, del hospital Vietma que no tenía vida más de tres horas. Tenía que morir porque mi cuerpo todo era pelado, sin piel. Tenía que morir nomás, pero no fueron los planes del ser humano, sino que fue de Dios solamente. Hemos estudiado la palabra de Dios en en instituto bíblico ahí en Cochabamba en Palabra de Vida terminamos nuestro estudio vinimos ya de allá a enseñar la Palabra de Dios eso es nuestro nuestra meta es alcanzar nuestro pueblito aquí. cuando estudié la Palabra del Señor me vine a predicar la Palabra de Dios 
solo salvar a las personas perdidas, no solo salvar. Pero viendo ya cuatro años en el servicio al Señor, entonces me trajo algo en la mente ¿no? para que yo pudiera entrenar a líderes para que también ministren la palabra de Dios. Esa es mi visión, que líderes se formen y ministren también la palabra del Señor y salgan del mismo sin necesidad de estudiar a otro lado, sean misioneros también, algún día los libres de aquí. Mi mente es capacitar a ellos y que ellos también vean la necesidad a otro lado. amazing story and uh, to think that we have the privilege of being able to support uh, this family uh, so awfully far away. Uh, so we thank the Lord that he's brought uh, this family to us and that we are now able to uh, stand behind them as uh, they share the word of God and the gospel uh, with those over there. Uh, one th other item uh, we want to pray for this morning um, learned in the Uh, just this week, reading the obituary, that Pat Snyder's uh, sister had passed away on Easter Sunday, uh, actually two weeks ago. Now, Pat's from a, a family of, of 12 siblings, and she has outlived all of them. So we thank the Lord for that. We just are saddened, of course, that your, you know, your uh, sister had passed away just a couple weeks ago. So keep Pat in prayer as you're praying for her health and You know, her strength, uh, keep her in prayer for that as well. Father, as we come and pause before you this morning, we thank you that you are a loving and gracious and merciful God. That, Father, as you look down upon us, that you are sovereign and you are good. And, Father, you love us with a love that is beyond our imagination. We thank you for that. That that great love was enough to send Jesus to the cross, to die for our sins, that we, Lord, might be set free. We thank you this morning so much for the gospel. We thank you, Father, for the good news of Jesus that brings salvation and eternal life. And so we thank you for men like Tito, who is preaching your word, who are committed to your word, who are telling others that Jesus saves. We pray that you might continue to use him. Thank you, Lord, for this marvelous story, this miracle of keeping this man alive for your use. So use him greatly. And as, Lord, we have heard, we pray that he might be able to train others, that they too might preach your word and share with others the good news of Jesus. Father, we pray for Pat this morning. Uh, we know she struggles with her health now after this very serious surgery. We thank you that she can be with us this morning, and we pray for your encouragement and help her to know how much we love her and you, Lord, care for her. Lift her spirits, we pray. And now with the death of this last sister, We pray for a double portion of your grace to rest upon her. Lord, you are a powerful God, a powerful God. And I pray this morning as we move our hearts into your presence through singing, that for, Lord, you might look down upon us and be pleased. Father, we want to bring joy to your heart. We want, Lord, to do what makes you happy. Father, we don't want to do our own will. We don't want to live life in our own strength. Father, we want to live in the strength of your spirit so that we might avoid sin and live rightly in your presence. We thank you this morning for that presence. 
For Father, as we are going to look in just a moment, Jesus, He really is alive. And Lord, that means that He's with us today. That Lord, here in this sanctuary, here in this church, we have the very presence of Jesus Himself. So use this time, this special time, this hour that you've given us on a Sunday morning to bring glory to yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. with us we sing verse one again you are not a god created by human hands you are not a god dependent on any mortal man you are not a god in need of anything we can hear by your God alone. You are God alone. From before time began, you are on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, in the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You are God alone.
sacrifice that washes us white as snow. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The evidence for the resurrection is overwhelming. And we've been looking at the appearances of Jesus, those who were eyewitnesses of the fact that Jesus came back to life. He appeared to individuals, he appeared to small groups, and at one time the Bible says he appeared to over 500 at one time. The order as I see it is that first he appeared to Mary Magdalene. Then he appeared to the other women. He then appeared to Peter in Jerusalem. And last week we looked 
at his appearance to the two men on their way to Emmaus. There are many back then and today that question the fact that Jesus is alive. But to believe the Bible is to believe in the resurrection. So last week we looked at two disciples of Jesus and they left Jerusalem and they're headed off to Emmaus. And on their way to Emmaus, as they're discussing things about Jesus, the Bible says Jesus came up and started walking with them and started asking them questions. They went back to their house, Jesus going with them, and there they sat at the table. And as Jesus was breaking bread, the Bible says they recognized who he was. They recognized Jesus. They hadn't up to that point. Up to that point, the Bible says their eyes were blinded to the fact of who Jesus was. But there at the table, in the breaking of bread, their eyes were opened and they recognized. Well, these disciples, they rushed back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples in the upper room. They couldn't hold it in. And they rushed back. And if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 24... Allow me to read a few verses that we read last week just to introduce us to the new text this morning. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 33, it says this, They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them. They were assembled together and they were saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon Peter. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So here are the two disciples now in this upper room and they're sharing their story, how they have seen the risen Jesus. Now look at verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. But he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe because of joy and because of amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and will rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name, to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. First of all, in the very first verse, in verse 36, we have the reappearance of Jesus. The reappearance of Jesus. These 11 disciples, plus others, were in this upper room. And while they were in this upper room, they were discussing these things that they heard from the women. The women had said that the tomb was empty. And not only that, but right among them was Simon Peter, who he himself saw Jesus. And they're discussing these things among themselves. But they're skeptical, they're confused, they're bewildered, 
trying to make sense of all of this. You know, even if Jesus said, I saw him, the other disciples are saying, you know, did he really? I mean, this one who we just saw die three days earlier, is he really alive? Let's try and construct this scene using Mark's gospel and John's gospel because they add a little bit for us. In Mark's gospel, it says that they were reclining at a table. And it appears as though the meal now is over. And they're having this very intense discussion among themselves. John's gospel, interestingly, he adds this. He said that they're in this upper room. They are in fear of the Jews and have locked the doors. They have locked the doors because of fear for the Jews. Why would they fear the Jews? Well, the Jews have just put Jesus to death. And they're afraid and worried that the same thing that just happened to Jesus could happen to us. And so for fear of these Jewish leaders, these disciples of Jesus, they go into an upper room, they lock the doors, they have a meal together, and now they're having this animated discussion among themselves. And then we read in verse 36, Jesus himself stood among them. Jesus himself stood among them. One minute, he's not there. And in the next minute, he is. You know, it doesn't say he passed through the doors. We often say, you know, Jesus can walk through locked doors. It doesn't say that at all. It just says that all of a sudden, he was there. When he wasn't there a moment earlier. I just found a sheet, um, an interesting thing from a man who wrote about this text. And he, he says this. He said, since Jesus is in his risen and glorified state, which he is, right? He just came back from the dead. He's in his risen state, that glorified state. Since that's true, time, space, the rock of the tomb, the walls and the doors of the building no longer hamper the body of Jesus. He appears where he desires to appear. And his visible presence disappears when he desires to have it so. You remember when he showed himself to the Emmaus disciples? They're in the house, and as he's breaking bread and they recognize Jesus, the Bible in the next phrase says he just disappeared. So one minute he's sitting with the two disciples, the next minute he's gone. Jesus did not have to walk through anything. The disciples, they didn't see him take so many steps from the door or the walls. He was there, and that was all. <laughs> now, I said that, you know, when we see Jesus, we're going to be like him. Can you imagine that kind of body? Can you imagine that perfect, resurrection, resurrected, glorified body that we appear where we desire to appear? So, these disciples are scared to death. It says they're frightened. It says they, 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 they thought they've seen a ghost. Can this really be Jesus who all of a sudden just stands before us? You know, that blows our minds to think that Jesus is able to do this. And so Jesus comes there, stands among them, and says, peace be with you. Now, peace be with you is a common phrase of greeting for anyone else but Jesus. For in Ephesians, we read that Jesus is our peace. He knew they needed to be calmed down. He knew they needed the peace that only God can bring. And so he brought himself who was their peace. When Jesus says, peace be with you, it's his presence that brings that peace. But then notice the reassurance by Jesus. The reassurance by Jesus, beginning at verse 37 down through verse 43. 
I just said they were startled and frightened, verse 37. They think they're seeing a ghost. Can you imagine losing a loved one? They lost the one who they loved most on earth. They watched him die on a cross. They saw his blood spill to the ground. And now he's standing in front of them. And they think this has to be a ghost. This has to be a ghost. But it's real. It's, they're not dreaming. It's not a figment of their imagination. It's not some vision. But Jesus recognizes that they're still not sure. <laughs> and so what Jesus does is he sets out to prove to them that he is who he is. So he says, touch me and see. Go ahead. Go ahead, Matthew. Touch, touch me. Touch my hand, Matthew. Peter, feel my fingers. He says, listen, he says, a ghost does not have flesh and bones. A ghost, a, a ghost does not have flesh and bones. Touch me and see. Remember I said when we looked at the perfect body two weeks ago? I said, our resurrected bodies will be the same but very different. Here's the sameness. We're not going to be ghosts in heaven. We're not going to be vapor. <laughs> We're going to have a body. Jesus has flesh and Jesus has bones. He's the same person. And yet, wonderfully different. Wonderfully and glorious different. And the disciples we read, they still didn't believe. After touching him, they still didn't believe. I love what it says in verse 41. It says, um, and while they still did not believe because of joy and amazement. Some, someone said this uh, to define this. They, they didn't believe because of joy and amazement. In other words, they said to themselves, this can't be true. We see it. We've touched him. Haven't you said those words before? You know, it just can't be true. I mean, I know it's true, but it just can't be. <laughs> it's too good to be true. And that, I believe, is what is taking place with them. They don't believe because of amazement and excitement and joy. And so Jesus has to give them another proof. What does he do? He says, what have you been eating? Do you have anything left from supper? They say, well, we have some broiled fish. Well, Jesus says, that's good. Give me some of that broiled fish. And Jesus eats it right in front of them. What is he saying? Here I am, I have flesh and bones, and I am able to consume food. I don't think he was hungry. He wasn't eating because he needed something to eat because he was, no. He just wanted to show them, I'm Jesus. I, I am that same man that died on a cross earlier. I really am alive. And then we have this great revelation of Jesus starting at verse 44. It's funny because one commentator said what Jesus was saying in these next verses is, I told you so. Now, Jesus wouldn't have said it in that way. But twice he says, for example, in verse 44, he says, this is what I told you. And again, down in verse 46, he said, he told them. You see, they should have known this. But Jesus had to prove to them. And I get that. I mean, can you imagine a loved one? You know, your mother, your father that passed away a year ago, and all of a sudden they show up? I mean, come on. <laughs> You're not going to believe that right away. And so Jesus, he has to prove to them, not only in his physical body, but now he takes the scriptures. He goes back as he did with the Emmaus disciples. He goes back into the Old Testament and he begins to explain to them that all of these things are in fulfillment of the word of God. He's saying, in essence, this is no accident that I have died and I've come back to life. This is all according to the great and sovereign plan of almighty God. And you can go back into the Old Testament and you can read there 
about Jesus dying on a cross, his wounds, and the iniquity he, he came to bear on our behalf. You can read about all of that in the Old Testament, that the Messiah must suffer before the glory. He must die before the resurrection. And so he explained to them, not only in his physical body, and proved to them that he's alive, but he showed them from the word of God who he was. And that all of these things, they had to happen. And for what purpose? For what purpose did Jesus come and die? For what purpose was Jesus buried and rose again the third day? Well, again, according to the text, he said, for the purpose of you now being my witnesses, and I'm going to send you out and preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance means a change of mind. The forgiveness of sins is just what it says. When Jesus died on the cross, he died not for his own sins, but the Bible says he died for the sins of the world, for the sins of mankind. His name was Jesus. Why? Well, at Christmas we say because he saved his people from their sins. And the Bible says we're all, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of what God intended for us to be in life. And because of sin, because we've stolen, we've cheated, we've lied, we've gossiped, we've fallen short of what God wants for us. And the Bible calls that sin. And because of sin, we need to be forgiven by God. And only God is able to do that through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to these disciples, you now have seen me. You now are eyewitnesses of me being alive. Now you go. I'm going to send you out and you're going to tell others how they can be forgiven of their sins. You know, evangelism is not an option, but a mandate. Evangelism is not an option, but a mandate. It is our mandate as Christians to tell people that Jesus is alive. Now let's come back to verse 45 and I want to close on this note. It says in verse 45, he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Jesus was opening a lot of things after his resurrection. He had to open the eyes of the disciples on the road to Emmaus in order that they might see and recognize him. Now here, he, he, he must open their minds so that they might be able to understand these Old Testament scriptures. Jesus gave them the spiritual capacity to understand the real meaning. Let me ask you a question this morning. Does, does God speak today? Does God communicate to us? Well, I hope you say yes. We believe here that God does speak to us today. And so my question then is, how does God speak? How does God take what he wants for us to know and get it to us? Let me give you three big theological words. This is probably not the greatest note to end on, but I think it's important, and you'll see why I'm sharing these things. The links in the chain from God to us. If God has information he wants us to know, how does he do that? Oh, there's many ways he could do it, um, but let me suggest a few. First of all, there's this word revelation. Revelation. And that, we might say, is the fact that God wants to communicate, that God wants to reveal something to us. He wants to show us something. He wants us to know something. He wants us to know truth. So the fact of communication. He desires himself to give us truth. Now the Bible says there is general and there's supernatural revelation. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. That's him revealing himself in nature. General revelation. But when we come to the Bible, this is supernatural revelation. This is uh, uh, the information that God wants for us to have. This is truth. And God wants for us to have this. Well, then how do we get this? How do you get the Bibles that are sitting in your laps this morning? 
Well, first of all, the fact that God wants to reveal, and then we have this other big long word, it's called inspiration. Inspiration. This is the means of communication. God not only chose to speak through his creation, but through words. And so in inspiration, God is speaking. And God says in the Bible that uh, the scriptures are inspired. That the Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of God. That holy men of God, they wrote as the spirit of God would move them. And we believe firmly in this church in the inspiration of scriptures that this is not another book on your library shelf, but that this is truly the word of God speaking. These are God's words. God's words. Inspiration. But there's another word that we often don't speak about, and it's the word illumination. And again, if you look in scholarly works and theological books, you'll find this word illumination. This is the understanding of the scriptures. This is what Jesus does here in verse 45 when it says he opened their minds. He gave them the spiritual capacity in order to understand the scriptures. The Bible says that today we as Christians, we are indwelt by the spirit of God. It is that Holy Spirit who is the ultimate author of Scripture. We have the author of the Bible in us. The Spirit of God in us. And what the Spirit of God does is He illumines the Scriptures. There's a, a verse in uh, Psalm chapter 119. And Psalm 100, 119, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. And it's the psalmist who, who sings a long song all about God's word. All about God's word. And in verse 18 of Psalm 119, it says this, Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your law. Open my eyes. Now, I'm not teaching that God is, is, is giving us new revelation today. This is the completed word of God. It's not new. It was written years and years and years ago. But illumination is asking God, help me understand what you have written. Someone defined illumination as that aha moment. Have you ever sat down? Have you ever it's, you, you sat down one day and you're reading through the Bible, you're studying for a lesson, or, and all of a sudden the scripture just becomes alive. And you know what it means and you know how to apply it to your life. That's illumination. It's like the light bulb goes off. And God shows you what you've just read. He helps you to understand exactly what that means, what he intends for it to mean. And then he shows you, and this is how you ought to live it out. You see, the Bible says in James, we're not just to be hearers. It's not enough just to read the Bible. It says, do it. And illumination, I believe, happens when you read the scriptures and you have that moment where you say, oh, God, it's like the scriptures just, just light up. You've had that experience, man, or you know what that is. See, I believe when we open the Bible, oh, you can read the scriptures and understand it. Don't misunderstand. But there's that deeper meaning. There's that meaning in which God intends for you and how to apply that don't you often read scripture and say what does that mean ah, you know I read another chapter but no you need to understand the scriptures but also understand how God wants to change you through that and that takes the work of God's spirit it's the spirit of God who, who helps us to understand what is written. Let me suggest and make this challenge. The next time you open your Bibles, whether it be for your own personal study, uh, maybe you're preparing for um, a Sunday school lesson, or um, maybe you have a little devotional book, The Daily Bread, and you know there's a verse there, and you're just wondering, how does this work in my life? How does this apply to what I'm going to 
experience today at work. Um, ask God as the psalmist did in 119. God, would you open my eyes? Uh, sometimes I don't understand it all, but God, would you just open my eyes? Help me to see exactly what this is saying. Help me to see how you can use this in my own heart to change me. God, use this as I go off to work, as I go to school, and help me be able to apply this to whatever ever I'm going to face today. Turn the light bulb on for me, God. Turn the bulb on that I might see wonderful things in your law. Father, I thank you for your word. What a powerful word it is. And we thank you that you have chosen to reveal to us the scriptures. You have taught us in the scriptures. You instruct us in the scriptures. That's, Father, why our statement of faith says we live by the word of God. We live by this book. So help us, Father, to understand it. Help us to be able to apply it. For, Father, application is so important. Don't let us walk away without knowing how this can change me. Lord, set our hearts on fire. As the Emmaus disciples said, our hearts are burning within us because now we understand the Scriptures. We thank you for this great day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you take your hymn books and turn to 350? Hymn number 350, Open my eyes that I might see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Place in my hands the wonderful key That shall unclasp and set me free. Let's stand, we'll sing all three stanzas and then we'll be dismissed. Open my eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Place in my hands wonderful key That shall unclasp and set me free Silently now I wait for thee Ready, my God, thy will to see Open my eyes, lumen me, Spirit divine. Open my ears that I may hear voices of truth this clear. And while the wave notes fall on my ear, everything falls disappear silently now I wait for thee ready my God thy will to see open my ears illumine me spirit divine open my mouth and let me bear Gladly the warm Open my heart and let me prepare Love with thy children thus to share Silently now I wait for thee Ready my heart thy will to see Open my heart, illumine me, Spirit divine. Again, Father, we thank you this morning for your willingness to reveal to us yourself and the truth of the Scriptures. Help us, we pray, by the power of your Spirit to take what you have written and apply it to our lives. Change us. Change us. Through your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.